So what's that book you're looking through? Uh, this is Randy Merkin's book. This is an Eckhart's Press. Have you heard of Eckhart's Press? I've heard of them, yes. Yeah. Uh, Randy Merkin, 20 plus years, 25 years in the radio business yeah. in Chicago. Or yeah. Perhaps one of the, probably the greatest radio producer in any genre well, whatsoever. Well, let's not go that far. I mean, uh, he was, he's, you know, he's a great sports radio producer. Well, he's much better than you ever were. <laughs> yeah. But I'm an author. Oh, wait, he's an author, too. He is an author, and he wrote yeah. a great book called Behind the Glass. And it's, uh, what the book is, it's about stories about him, well, producing a radio show and some of the guests that he's been able to. It's all about uh, the people that he's talked to and, you know, the, you, basically every celebrity that you could ever Jack imagine. Lemon. I mean, just Charles Barkley. Well, uh, well, we'll ask him about yeah, some of these people. Right? Because Minutiaman Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, listen to this other fine Opie show. So, Lou, what's the deal with horsepower? I mean, we don't use horses anymore. Well, we like horses, and that's how it started, so these are our new ponies. At least we're living in the golden age of horsepower and doing our best to enjoy it like we do on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. I'm Lou Costable. Join us for the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You really think you can feed like 700 horses, Mark? The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Dave, uh, Randy Merkin, who's on the line with us right now. Great guy. Uh, it's been a sports radio producer for more than 25 years. I think the number is actually 27 years at this point, 20, Randy. Yeah, 20. We're, at, we're in the 28th year now. 28 actually. years. Yeah. Recognized as one of the best in the country. He's worked for uh, one-on-one sports, sporting news radio. Currently the operations manager, executive producer for ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And just before Christmas, he released uh, his book, Behind the Glass, on our own very own Eckhart's Press. And it was our top-selling book of the Christmas yeah. season. It, it really is something that we're proud of. And let's just start from the very beginning, because we first spotted you on Twitter. You were telling these stories about the famous athletes that you've booked on the shows over the years that you've produced. And, and these videos are out there. How many are there altogether? I just did number 38 yesterday. Okay. And there's even yeah. more than that in the book. So, right. t- so tell us what made you start doing those videos in the first place so like you know when i I, when i was waddle and sylvie's producer and even after that when i would be i would still be involved in their show meetings sylvie would always say to me i would tell like we'd bring up someone that we want a book or something and i would say you know i got a great story about him and i would tell like the guest (laughs) booking story and sylvie would say mark you need to do a podcast and just tell these stories and i'm like yeah no one cares you know and then so i was like yeah maybe i will someday and then um I, we got a new boss, Mike Thomas, came in, and we had this meeting like in November of 19, maybe? Yeah, 2019, and he said to me, you know, he's a, he's a big social media guy. He's like, when's the last time you tweeted? And I'm like, uh, the Badgers made the championship game in 2015. <laughs> Go Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. And I'm watching the game right now, by the way. Yeah. Um, and he said, he said, um, why is that? I'm like, no one cares what I have to say. And he's like, that's not true. And then he's like, start start getting inactive in social media. And I still didn't listen to him. Uh, so I still didn't do anything. And then when the pandemic hit and everyone was just stuck at home, I said one night, you know what? I'm just going to do 
a story tell one of my one of my favorite stories the george steinbrenner in the hotel when i you know when he was staying in uh spring training hotel i'm like you know and i did it my daughter uh recorded it and dana and then like the first time i did it was like four and a half minutes I'm like, and you can't put that long on video on twitter so i'm like oh i gotta cut it in a half so i finally cut it in a half and i put it on and i'm like you know what uh if i get like uh you know 500 likes or i mean 500 views and you know whatever um 30 likes great and so i put it up there and like i didn't even know like i I, i've never posted anything on twitter like a video before and then all of a sudden a buddy of mine matt nahagian who works uh in san francisco run station out there texted me and said what's going on i'm like what do you mean he goes have you checked that video you posted i'm like no why he goes You've got over 35,000 views in less than an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I was like, what? So then I looked, and then like every hour he would text me, up to 48, up to 57, and you've got like 200 likes. And I'm like, all right. So then I – originally I was so gung-ho. I was like, all right, I'm doing one of these every other day. Let's, let's go. Screw radio. <laughs> you guys can yeah, shove your radio like, station right, right up your – I'll slow down a little bit. And then I, I, I slowed it down to like maybe one every three weeks. Now I'm like one every five weeks I post them. But no, I mean like, you know – it was a good response. Um, uh, I love doing them. I love, you know, I love telling the stories, and uh, I, I'm, I've been like kind of shocked with uh, the response I get from some of these stories. Well, and that's that's why, yeah, that's why. I, I contacted you and right. said, "Have you ever thought of making this into a book?" Right. And, and I really didn't expect to hear from you. I'm, I'm happy that I did because uh, I know how hard it is to write a book, and now you know how hard it yeah. is to write a book. Yeah. Uh, but you did it. You nailed it. You, you hit it out of the park. And we I appreciate gonna, that. We're getting older. And you're, you're so right with that, Rick, because, like, I don't think people, like, and, and I had an idea because I've got friends who are authors. Like, uh, I used to be uh, fairly close with John Feinstein, who is, like, mm-hmm. you know, the gold standard when yeah. it comes to sports books. And, you know, he would just kind of tell me what he goes through, the grind he goes through in writing a book. And now this is obviously a much different kind of book. But, like when you reached out to me, I've always wanted to write a book. My, my vision was not on my, on these stories. It was on, I worked for nine months in Platteville, Wisconsin, three months in Freeport, Illinois. And I'm like, and I wanted people to know like small, what small town radio is like. That's, yeah. that was my thing. But then, you know, this came about and I reached out to you. I think I said something like, I have no clue how to write a book, but I've always wanted to write one. I'm like, and then you said each, each story is a chapter, make it that simple. Send me a couple. So I did like three of them. I sent I, my editor is Beth, my wife. So yeah. I sent them down to her. She would edit them. And we'd send them on to you. And I think you responded like, and it was so funny because, you know, like you're kind of excited because you're like, man, this is pretty cool. So like every day I would check my email a bunch of times. Like, did Rick respond? Did he respond? <laughs> today, I'm right. a very busy man. Did, did I say and something wrong? Like, I guess he doesn't like them. And then one day, you, I think I was, I was on the golf course at Deerfield on the back nine. And I saw you, you had sent an email. I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. And it says, these are gold. Keep them coming. Oh, well, and I'm like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And then, you know, I didn't, I didn't rush it. Like I, you know, we, I knew we had time because it was the pandemic. So no one's going anywhere, you know? And so I just, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do these right. You know, I would probably try to crank out like five a week, you know, and then just kept it going. And, uh, and then we got to the number we were talking about. I think it was ninety, you know. And uh, yeah, that's right. There are ninety different stories about yeah. uh, you know these famous, the most famous athletes and movie stars in the entire world. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
And, you know, in your subtitle of your book, which is great, which, by the way, is in 36 point aerial type. In yeah, case you guys right. wanted to yeah. know on the cover, that, that was my job to get to, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, from Steinbrenner to Barkley to Jack Lemon. So I think yeah. that the, wh- why those three? What was the um, was it because they're the most memorable? Was it just that it was a wide variety of people, different genres? Well, to me, Steinbrenner is the reason that I'm still do like that. I'm doing this because booking him two different times like you know i mean it's sad like i've done an interview with a couple people like we're like not really don't really not familiar with him you know i'm like <laughs> oh, no. George Steinbrenner. <laughs> oh man but like you know when back in the day like you know in the early 90s i mean oh. mid 90s you know george steinbrenner was was it you know he's on seinfeld he's right? on seinfeld and uh, he, the amazing yeah, thing is that, right? that that imitation is so spot on you know i mean yeah. it's for it's crazy so he so Steinbrenner from you know he's the guy right he's the reason why I'm still doing this and why like I I like I have the confidence I do Charles Barkley is on the is there because to me he's like my like the most the relationship I'm most proud of I, I would not call us like good friends like when he comes into Chicago he's not calling me to go out for drinks but like he knows who I am like I've we've done four in-person shows with them each time like you know he he responds to my texts or I'll send him a text on his birthday or when he wins something or just whatever he responds. Um, it's funny though, like when you book him, sometimes it takes a long time for him to respond. But like he, you know, when he comes in town and we do a show, he knows who I am. Like it's not like every time he's I'm reintroducing myself. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Jack Lemon is because just it's absurd. Uh, how am I? Why am I booking Jack Lemon? You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> like where'd that come from? So, uh, and that was because I, I had these two hosts at Sporting News who loved him and Walter Matthau together. And Jack Lemon every year tried to make the the cut at Pebble Beach, and uh, I every year I tried and couldn't because they were always playing when our show was on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. But there was a big rain delay, so I called the hotel and uh, he had a uh, could, which is you know with DND do not disturb on his phone. And I said to the hotel operator, I'm like, just do me a favor and just tell him it's Randy from National Sports Radio. Just will you do that? And she's like, all right, fine. And she did that, and he like picked up the phone and was like talking to my grandpa you know so yeah. it was he was great so that's why those three guys are on the cover so you know uh i i don't know if you know this about me but i produced a few radio shows myself yes and, i am familiar uh, yes i want you to ask me a question okay randy ask uh, me rick uh do you know anything about producing a radio show uh i'm not gonna even ask you that question because i know you wrote a book on it with uh john swanson am i correct yes and that's the point that i wanted to make is not that i wrote it but having written a book about producing a radio show if anyone ever asks you from now on for the rest of your career somebody says to you do you know anything about this you can say i wrote the book on it Exactly. I wrote a book. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I right. literally wrote the book on the subject. But, <laughs> Randy, I love that. Don't be like Rick. That like we'll be at Steak and Shake, <laughs> and, and 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 the lady will come and go. Would you like something with you know? Would you? And she'd be like, Yeah, I'll have the double steak burger platter. And did you know I wrote a book on radio? Producing? That is not yeah, true. Does he ever? Does he ever pull out the? Do you, do, do you know who I am or no? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. All the time? Yeah. Uh, okay. He says that to me yeah. like six times that's, a week. Yeah. Actually, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, got, I got to tell you guys, it is pretty funny, though, because I'll just be in the most random places. Like, I was at the Wisconsin Northwestern game with my son uh, and another dad and his son, and uh, his son, who's good friends with my son. And we're just in the stands randomly before the game. And this guy, I see him, like, coming up the bleachers, you know, and I'm like, he looks like he's coming at me. And he, and he like, comes right up 
you know, the robe in front of me goes, Hey, you're Merck, right? And I'm like, wow. yeah. And he goes, I got to buy your book. Wow. And I'm like, he goes, I've been meaning to do it. He goes, I saw you. I'm like, okay. And he's like, how do I get it autographed? So I told him how to do it. And he's like, can't wait to read it. And then he just walked away. But it That's was just fantastic. like, it's just a random, the randomness of like, I was at the uh, Leo Burnett building, which is right across the street from where I work. Because I like to go to this, there's this place uh, that has great cookies and, and brownies. So I sometimes once a week I go there and get a couple and I'm going down the steps and this guy's just like, you know, you have a mask on now. So people, all they see is your eyes, right? So he's like, he's like, Merck. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, I got the book. I love it. And I'm oh. like, oh, thanks. So it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. So I, I'm so, you know, I'm so glad I did it. And obviously uh, you guys have been great to work yeah. with. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, uh, you know, as a producer to producer, one of the yeah. things that um, I love about this book is, you know, just how fearless and tenacious you are as a producer. And that's something that, like the, the the calling of the people at the hotel room or their home or right. whatever. That's a hard thing to do. Oh. Uh, you just you every time you, your stomach churns, they're going to tell you to get lost. And yeah. that's happened to you yeah. plenty of times, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it takes a lot. Would you say that persistence is the most important ingredient of someone who wants to do this for a living? Yeah, it's it's definitely one of them, Rick, because like, see, I, I learned from some of the best, like uh, this guy named Mark Jenskow, who used to be Chet's producer. Many, I, many I know ago. him. I saw him yeah. punch a hole in the wall once. <laughs> yes. I mean, he, he was intense, but I saw him. I mean, this seriously, this is like part of the reason I, I stay like I do. I was just starting up at one on one sports and I was producing his show and he came out five straight breaks. I kid you not. It was during the holiday season. So I want to say it was right around Christmas in five straight segments. He called Barry Alvarez. Wisconsin was in the Rose Bowl. Next break, he called Lou Holtz. Notre Dame was playing for a national championship. Uh, next break, he called Brett Favre. The Bears, the Packers were playing the Bears. And I can't remember the other two guys. He Cordell Stewart was, and I, I just looked at him like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "Ah, how about that, Randy? You know." And then, and then he taught me like it's all about you know whatever. But I, I have you're right. Persistence is huge. You got to have an attitude to like move on to the next guest, right? If someone tells yep. you no, you just got to be like, "All right, move on." Like, what's the worst they can do is yeah, yell right. at you, right? Right, right. You know. So and like I, I kind of have this this mentality, like kind of like a bulldog mentality, right? Um, and, but you know, the one key thing is guys, is that like, you can have a bulldog mentality. You can be persistent, but like do it the right way. Like, right, don't no. be a jag about it. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If someone says no, that's no, like, if yeah. I, you know, like sometimes I'll be like, if, if it's a soft, no, if it's like, eh, then <laughs> you're like, if it's no ish, yeah. <laughs> just get, give me three minutes real quickly right now. And like, ah, all right, go ahead. Yeah. But like, if it's like no chance, I'm like, all right, you know, thanks anyways. And then. You know, like I think it may have been Mark or someone else told me one time if, you know, if you're not a good producer, if you're not pissing them off at some point. So, um, you and know, a that, husband. That's a part of it. That, that actually works for being a husband, too, I think. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I just read one of the stories in the book uh, this past week. I was just flipping through it. And uh -huh. one of the stories describes it perfectly. That's your John McEnroe story. Yeah. Why don't you tell that one? Yeah. So I told that story last week. Uh, Tracy Butler was nice enough to have me on. Uh, yeah. the digital show they have from seven to eight. So, so I've always wanted to book Johnny Mac and there's just not that many chances, you know, in tennis tournaments to, to do it because it's just, you know, like the main ones are you in Wimbledon or, you know, French open. So I saw that he was going into the, 
Hall of Fame. So I, I Googled where the Tennis Hall of Fame was, and I see it's in Rhode Island somewhere. So I, I found those uh, – I, I think I Googled nice hotels in wherever the part of Rhode Island it was, and this hotel – I think the Viking came up. So I called, and I'm like, uh, you know, John McEnroe's room. You know, you have a John McEnroe staying there. And they're like, sure, hold on one second. So they're ringing the room, and his daughter answers. And I'm like, is your is your dad around? And she's like, sure, hold on one second. Who's calling? And I'm like, uh, just tell him it's Randy with – he doesn't know me from National Sports Radio. And he doesn't know the network. So right. uh, he, you know, picks up the phone. I give him – I'm like, hey, John, you know uh, – it's Randy with uh, 101 Sports. Congratulations, man. He's like, what do you want? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, hey, uh, do you have any time to tape a you know, brief uh, interview with us right now? Like five minutes talking about going to the Hall of Fame. And he pauses for a second. He's like, so you want me right now to do an interview? Are you I'm serious? Doing, Are you <laughs> Do an interview. He goes, "My." He goes, Patrick's old family's here. Patty's family's here. My, um, and he goes, and my family's here. And he goes, and you want me to do a radio interview with you right now? And then he gave the, you cannot be serious. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I just, I, I didn't, I'm like, just not five minutes, John. And he's like, no, absolutely. I don't know if I can swear on this. Absolutely yeah, 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 go not. Ahead. Absolutely fucking not. Mm-hmm. And he, and he hangs, he goes, and don't call back. And he hung up the phone. So uh, Bruce Murray, I don't know if you guys know him. He's the best. He's got this dry sense of humor, and he's like, I guess that's a no. And I'm like, uh, he, he could hear it through the phone, him yelling. And I'm like, yeah, that's a no. So he leaves, and next day, you know, it's Saturday. We, we would tape, pre-tape a lot of interviews because you just can't get guys live on Saturday sometimes. So I, I look up on ESPN News, and they're showing highlights from his, from his uh, you know, from his uh, induction speech. speech. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the worst he can do? So – I call back and his daughter answers again, and I'm like, "Oh man, not again!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Is your hey, is your dad around?" She's like, "Sure." She goes, "Hey, dad, it's that sports radio guy again." <laughs> and he picks up the phone like, "Man," he's like, "You again?" And I'm like, "Hey, John, congratulations! Looks like it was a great speech." And he goes, "Didn't you get the message?" And I just I'm like, "John," he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "You've got to be sick of your family." And he pauses for a second. He's like, yeah, great call. And he's like, hey, listen up. Listen up. And he like, his whole family must have been in like, you know, the suite. He's like, I'm going into the office. And he goes, and I'm not to be bothered for 20 minutes. You make that 40 like, minutes. Make that six hours. John, all we need is 10. He goes, you'll do 20. And I'm like, all right. So uh, I send, uh, we were in a taped interview at the time. So I sent both the hosts down and I put it in queue. I have another producer down there ready to tape. And I can hear him saying, yeah, he goes, your producer was, you know, a real pain in the ass, but, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll do this now. And then he's like, uh, I mean, he just, it was great because Steffi Graf had just, he was supposed to play mixed doubles at Wimbledon with Steffi Graf, and at the last second she decided not to do it. And he just let her have it, like, wow. you know, on profession. I mean, it was wow. great. I mean, it was just, I mean, he's a great interview. So, and I think, you know, I thought like, all right, maybe I got a little bond with them. And I, I want to say like, Three months later, he was playing on that senior tour, and I found where he was staying in Chicago, and I called him up, and no, he wouldn't do it. He yeah, was, right. Same thing, hung up on me again. And, that and, was and the so. restraining order ends when? Is it a 2024 restraining order? Uh, what did you say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we, 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 actually, we actually had him on. Uh, we did a – when like two year, three years ago, maybe it was even longer, we did a, 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 an event with him or, uh, where um, we gave away a chance to play – um, like three games with him before he played in the senior tour, and he came on. I didn't mention anything to him, but uh, he was great. Like he, you know, like he's and he's a great interview. So it's just, 
it, it is funny though because I I had uh, in the book I do the Parcells Bledsoe story where I found I saw them land. Patriots are playing the Packers. I had the I I had done some research and found where the Patriots were staying, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm calling Parcells. What is he going to do to me? You know. So I wait. I saw them land, and I like the notoriously days. friendly Bill Parcells. Right, but I can tell you this: doing his show, he is very friendly. He really, he just like he just has that exterior because you know that's how these coaches are. But so I call him up, and you know he answers right away, and I'm like, Coach, you know, congratulations, how are you? And he, I think he just said, "Fuck, it's starting already," and he's hung up the phone. <laughs> and but I, I right away, you know, just I called Bledsoe right after that. Drew Bledsoe, starting quarterback, and. Like, couldn't have been nicer. It was like, yeah, 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 I'll come on. He goes, uh, need me to go downstairs? I'm like, no, no, just right now over the phone. Oh, great, great. So what I was going to tell you, though, is, you know, years later, I'm producing the Bill Parcells show, and, you know, he would get on uh, the ISDN line long. So he, you know you know how he is, the coaches are. He'd get on there 20 minutes before he was supposed to. And a couple times I was just uh, talking to him before, and I, I said, I got to ask him one time. I'm like, Coach, I got to ask you something. Do you remember the, Pat, the Packers Super Bowl a guy called you when you got into the hotel room and you hung up on him and he starts laughing. He goes, that was you? And I said, <laughs> yeah, he goes, I remember everything. He goes, absolutely, I remember that. And I'm like, do you want to apologize? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> do you? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. a lot of these books that you mentioned, they go back to your days, uh, one-on-one network, the, which became Sporting News Radio. Right. And while you were there, you worked with uh, one of our other authors, Chet Kopic, uh, yes. who uh, did a book with us. And Chet is one of those guys. He's a polarizing figure. Yep. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, yep. But you knew Chet quite well. What 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 is your what's your view of Chet? I love Chet. Um, Listen, you know, you're right, Rick. Like, he, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and, and you had to always take Chet almost with a grain of salt, right? Like, you had to, like, just be like, get through the bullshit with Chet, you know? Um, because he, he, was, he was so much fun to work with, and Chet and I had the same off days because our schedules were Wednesday through Sunday. He actually worked, I think, fr- uh, Friday through Sunday. He would tape a bunch of interviews on Friday. But his show was right after our show, so he would be from, like, 6 to 10. And he... Like he's he's just the oddest. Like he he loved. We did this. We did crosstalk at five forty five. Okay, which you don't usually do in network radio because if the next if the station isn't taking the next show, then they're kind of annoyed. Like why am I listening to this guy? Right. But we we did it because he loved it, and we always thought it was funny. Like with uh, and he would come to me like at three thirty and say, "Merck, we have an extra four for cross. I got I got a great <laughs> angle." And I and I'd be like, "You got it, shut." And then you know he would he would come in. And like he loved the sensationalism, right? He loved oh the big God, story. Yes. And like there was this one time that that my brother was covering. Uh, he was working for the Tribune, and he was covering the uh, a uh, game in Gainesville, a, a bowl game. And it was right after Steve Spurrier had resigned. And my brother told me he goes, "Hey, there's some random." He was at some bar, and some random bartender told him all this stuff that was going on in Florida, why Steve Spurrier left. And you, you, you got to know if you tell Chet something that it's going on the air, oh, yeah. right? Because that just, right. so I said, I said, and Chet was going to do something on Spurrier. I said, Hey Chet, my brother told me this. I said, and then I responded, like, but not for the year. Got it. Yeah. Not for the year. <laughs> That's all right, little buddy. I won't mention <laughs> it. Like, Mark, we're good. We're good, <laughs> bud. We're good. So, 
uh, <laughs> like 30 minutes like into his show, he has this guy on this guy named Pat Dooley who is like that. He's like the gold standard when it comes to covering Florida sports. And he goes to me. He goes on the air. I'm in my office wrapping up, and he goes, "Pat, I got it on good authority that the reason why the old ball coach left is there's you know he goes through the scandal." And Pat Dooley goes, "Chet, if that's true, that is breaking news." He goes, "What? Can I ask you what your source?" He goes, "Kopic doesn't reveal a source." <laughs> right. And I'm I get up and I'm furious. <laughs> I go down at the break and I open the door. I'm like, "Are you are you kidding me?" You can swear. Go I ahead. Told you, I told you not to go with that. And he's like, he waves his hand, goes, ah, Merck, no one remembers. Don't worry about it. And I'm, I, I mean, I stormed. I'm like, unbelievable. I, I learned my lesson there. But like, so another funny story. I got so many great chat stories is that he, I invite him to my wedding. Okay. And on the invitation, it says Randy Mitchell Merck in my middle name. So from there on, on, I was, all he ever called me was Mitchie. You know, it was no longer Merck. It was, it was Mitchie. So, uh, he sends the invitation back with the ch- – and he checks the bark that they're not coming. The box is not coming. So I see him at work. I'm like, Chet, you're not coming to my wedding? And he looks at me and goes, of course we're coming. And I said, well, you, you, you checked uh, the no box. And he goes, oh, Merck, I checked the wrong box. He goes, uh, we're coming. We'll be there. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. So you know, I, I tell my, you know, my father-in-law and my wife, hey, you know, Chet's, Chet's in. <laughs> And the week, this is going. <laughs> the week of the wedding, okay, the week of the wedding, I think we all we all have this where people say they're coming and they don't. So Matt says, I'm working with, you know, Matt Nahagian, and he says, Merck, I hate to do this to you, buddy. He goes, but Chet never asked off for your wedding, so he's working. Oh. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, and it's too late. I, I can't get anyone to fill in for him. This is like four days before the wedding. And I'm like, I go in the studio. I'm like, Chet, you're not coming to my wedding? And he looks at me, he, you know, he's, he's like, he's got that briefcase, which had like nine Diet Cokes. And, right, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he looks up, he's looking in the briefcase, looks up and he goes, that's this weekend? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's Sunday. And he goes, oh. And he, he does a little wave of his hand again. He goes, Merck. And he pulls out $200 gift certificates to uh, P.F. Chang's. Mm-hmm. And he goes, take, take the bride to P.F. Chang's on Copic. And he goes, in the next round of golf, I got you. And I looked at him like dumbfounded. And I'm like, uh, all right, thanks, Chad. But, you know, that was, just, I mean, I, you know, I worked with him, I think, for seven, six, seven years. And we played golf like for a long time during the summer. We would, well, you know, Monday he, or Tuesday. He was and, there with one of your hole in ones, wasn't he? Yes. The first one. Yeah. The first one. He, uh, it was like on, uh, at that point, I think it was the seventh hole at Deerfield. And you couldn't see the, you couldn't see the, fo- you couldn't see the hole, but I heard a click. And I turned to him and I said, Chet, I think I just got a hole in one. And he goes, oh, Merck, you're over the green. You're crazy. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of, you know, ran up a second. I didn't see the ball. So I knew it went in. So I jumped into his arms and I just started screaming. And he, you know, he, as usual, was just playing it off like no big deal. And then <laughs> I had the ball in the golf cart, you know, by my, you know, little compartment you have there. And all of a sudden after he drive, you know, he, his, he's driving the golf cart like crazy, you know, like a wild man. So then. All of a sudden, I see the ball's gone, and I said, "Chet, we lost the ball." And he goes, "Oh, you always have the memory, Merck." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Turn, turn around. We're finding the ball." So, turned around and we found the ball, and uh, yeah. And then I now I went I went in to buy drinks, and these four old guys, and because that's looked, the rule, right? If you get a hole in one, to, you yeah, have to buy. I guess drinks. some people, some places, you have to buy like golf shoes for people, but I would never do that. Yeah. But uh, I bought. I went in and tried to buy these guys drinks, and they didn't even acknowledge me. And then two days later, I had another one. So I bought drinks wow. for everyone that time. But wow. yeah, Ch- Chet was great. Like we, he, he like 
he, you know, his relationships were amazing too. Like he, Bobby Knight just loved him. Yeah. I mean, just loved him. You mean you know, Robert right? Montgomery Knight? Robert Montgomery. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Rick. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever heard the, the soundbite where uh, Bobby Knight is at the Sweet 16 at the United Center and Chet says to me, Merck, uh, credential me. I'm going to see uh, the general. And I'm like, all right. So I credential him. Bobby Knight's, I kid you not, is in the middle of his press conference. You know, Bobby Knight's as big as it gets, right? Yeah. So this this press conference is jammed. We're watching it, okay, because we're rolling on it. And all of a sudden, you hear, he's in the middle of an answer. He goes, Chester, is that you? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you hear in the, you hear in the background, Chet must say, he goes, Godfather, salute. And, uh, <laughs> and then Bobby Knight goes, you dying your hair, Chester? And he goes, and then Chet says something back. And I'm just like... I mean, it was just, it was just priceless. You know, it's just so typical. Salute. Yeah. Salute. Yeah. Who says that? Yeah. I know. Nobody, nobody says that. No, only him. Well, he, he, he got a really cool, um, a really cool letter one time because, you know, Chet, Chet show was on in like, you know, time when most people didn't have local shows, you know, Saturday and Sunday night. And, uh, he was on like in some big markets and, he shows it to me. He comes, calls me, in, you know, into his the office he's in, and he goes, "Look at this. It's from George Steinbrenner, and it says, Hey, Chet, George Steinbrenner. Always been a big fan, but recently I've uh, been listening to your show on Saturday and Sunday nights. It's fantastic.' He's like the guest you, and he's like quoting like Burt Sugar as a great guest. He's like Burt Sugar and <laughs> so and so is top notch. You're the best, Chet. And Chet framed it and had it in his office. And I'm like, that is freaking cool, yeah, Chet. Yeah. You know, George Steinbrenner to, to write you a letter like that. That's really nice. So what I, what yeah, I, he, he was great. He was, you know, he, he taught me some stuff like, you know, Chet, Chet had his way about him. Like, you know, certain things that uh, I wouldn't do, but yeah, he, I mean, yeah. they all loved him. They all loved him. That's for sure. The uh, one thing about Chet that I, and I only knew him for the last, I don't know, two and a half, three years of his life. He could not have a telephone conversation without without being Chet Kopic, right? Yes. I mean, he was yes. he was always on, and I remember you, you told the wedding story. I have a similar one. So my twins were having their Benot Mitzvah, and we invited uh-huh. we invited Chet, you know? Yeah. And so he gets the, and this is weeks before Chet died. Um, right. So he gets, the, he gets the invitation, and he calls me, and I pick up the phone, and he goes, I love your people. That was, that was the first <laughs> thing out of his mouth. I love your people. And then he starts talking about Sid Luckman, the pride from whatever. And then, you know, Ryan Braun and blah, blah, blah. And then he realizes that he can't think of any more Jewish athletes. Right. And then he's like, right. and don't get me started on a good pastrami. <laughs> he didn't come either. He didn't come to our. He didn't show up. But he, did he, did he, vol- he said he was going to come. No, he actually he was calling to say he couldn't come. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. All right. And and, right. and I th- and I don't know if this is what it was, but he was going away, and he died in Georgia well, or it was or, Georgia, or, yeah, uh, South Carolina, South think, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah. So I mean, it was that. I think it was either that weekend or the following weekend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, as you know, I don't want to bring the room down, but you know, your family over there at ESPN lost uh, an important friend this yeah. past month too, and yep. that's uh, Jeff Dickerson. And uh, another tragic, tragic death. I mean, that he was young. How how old was he? He actually uh, his it? his birthday yes was yesterday, so he would have been forty four yesterday. Jeez, yeah. yeah. And his yeah. wife passed away like a year or two before that. Right. Yeah, and, from, and they from have cancer. they have one they have one son, right? Parker. Yeah, he's uh, I think he's eleven and a half. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Jeff. I know your latest story is about him, right? Uh, um, and Wayne Gretzky, but tell us a little bit about 
what he was like because the outpouring of love that was crazy is i've never seen anything like it uh they had a, like a gofundme that is right. like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand something like that no no 1.1 million wow well, yeah so tell us yeah, about I, jeff dickerson so you know when this whole th- i mean he he was you know the best like he 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 was just like you know um just like everyone as i told i was as i said when we when we were on the air talking about him after the day after he passed it's like everyone had a different relationship with jd and like i loved hearing all these stories like i listened to the two and a half hour podcast that all the bears beat writers did and they're telling different stories about it. i didn't you know i knew he loved wine but i didn't realize he loved it that much you know like they were telling wine stories about jd and um i, I had a uh like uh, you know but i i think my relationship evolved with jd you know because Originally, when I first started, like it was just you know work, you know he was the Bears guy, and I was producing Waddle and Sylvie, and you know we you know worked together on booking guests and when he would come on. But um, you know, and then like uh, I, I remember the first day, the, the night before I started, and I was talking to Sylvie, and Sylvie's like, you know, you need to talk to our two reporters and and make sure that, you know you you communicate with them of of what you know what what goes into uh, you know, with setting up guests and all that stuff. So I called Bruce, Bruce Levine, great guy. But Bruce is, you know, a little different. He's, you know, you know old school guy and can right. be a little moody at the time. And I'm like, hey, Bruce, you know, Randy Merkin. He's like, here's how it works. You want a guest? <laughs> Call me 48 hours in advance and you don't cancel on the guest once I book him. You know, and I'll come on, but, you know, this and this. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. And I hang up the phone. I look at my wife. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> and then I call JD and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Randy, nice to meet you. You know, hey whatever you need well you know we'll work it out it'll be fine he goes anytime you need me to come on and you know the bears are a little tough booking guests but we'll, we'll, we'll get it done you know and so that's you know we would come on and then like jd you know filled in a lot early on when i was producing shows and like uh, carmen told the carmen defalco told the story that like jd was such in his bears bunker back then that he didn't really know like not that he didn't know but he just didn't follow what was going on outside of the bears you know he just was right. so dialed in so he would come in to do a show and he and i'd tell him like he would say hey merkel we got today and i'd be like yeah we're gonna do this and he'd look at me and he'd be like merkel you're gonna have to write some questions for me on that one buddy and i'm like yeah yeah no no problem and then and uh you know the gretzky story was uh he was filling in and he sits down next to me and he's like merkel we got today and i'm like yeah we got this and he's like and somehow it got brought up that was his birthday i don't think he volunteered it i, I don't remember how it came up but uh i said oh let's see jenny let's see who you share a birthday with and i'm like oh wayne gretzky and, and Back then, I haven't really, he doesn't really respond anymore to me, but back then, like, Wayne Gretzky loved me. I don't know why, but he, we just, anytime I text him, he would, he would come on. So I said, JD, I'm getting Wayne Gretzky to wish you a happy birthday today. And he was like, no. And, and JD just never wanted outside of the basics. Like, he didn't want the big name guests. Like, he just, like, Merck, let's just, he goes, you know, I, I don't need that, Merck. Don't worry about it. You know, and I'm like, no, it's happening. So I texted Gretzky, and he was like, I'm in meetings, like, all morning, but, you know, maybe try me the last segment and I might be able to answer whatever. So I told it to JD and he's like, nah, don't bother him. You know, he's, he's busy. And so then it gets to the last segment. I call him up. He, Gretzky answers. He's like, he says, to me, what do you want from me? And I'm like, can JD, you know, Jeff Dickerson, our Bears reporter is filling in today. And can you, uh, come on and wish him a happy birthday. And he's like, he starts laughing. He's like, sure. Why not? And he comes on and like, it was funny. Like they both wish each other happy mm-hmm. birthday and talk little Hawks. And it was just like, but, he was, you know, he was just the best. Like JD and I um, bonded. Like our relationship changed because um, JD, JD's son Parker is a great athlete, 
and my son's like three and a half years ahead of him. So we were, my son was in travel baseball and, you know, basketball and JD would, I would, you know, text back and forth about, you know, he would text me about a rough game or, you know, team he was playing, how he hated them or they upset with them. And, and the one thing I loved about JD is like he, he, there was this thing called game changer where yeah. you can follow, um, what a team's doing. So he would, he would text me like randomly, like be like, um, Hey, you know what Brett line out? He's like, was that a hard line out or was it a soft line? I'm like wow. what? And he's like, I'm following your game on Game Changer, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you know, it was, it was hard, but whatever. And then, uh, and then we went to Cooperstown two years ago, which is the greatest trip of all time. I loved it, and uh, I dreaded going there because our team wasn't playing very well, but we it was the best week. And I texted him like the morning of before our first game, and I said, JD, you were gonna absolutely love this. I'm like, this is like just the, it's heaven, man. It's, it's unbelievable. And I'm like, by the way, all the games you can watch, you know, they're all streamed. And he's like, oh, I'm in. And he, he goes, where are we at? What, how do you do it? And I said, just, you just go on the site. I'll tell you the field. And then just click on the field and you can watch the game. And he's like, done. So every morning, like at eight, eight Eastern, so at seven central in the morning, I get a text from him saying, all right, Merck, where are we playing today? What fields? And he I mean, he watched every game, like he watched every single game that Brett played in, wow. and um, that's, like you know, that's friendship, wonderful. And he and afterwards he would text me and say like you know, like something that Brett did great, you know how you know and and then like you know Brett last year and uh, uh, his last year they won wooden bat, and I hadn't even texted him. He Brett got the game winning hit. So on the on the game changer it says Merkin walks off for mm. Deerfield they to win wooden bat championship. I hadn't texted anyone, okay? No one knew. I mean, we were all just, you know, jumping. Oh, everyone was all excited. I look at my phone, and JD has copy and pasted that headline and texts me and goes, this just made my Father's Day. This was on oh, Father's Day. And, that is something. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, and, like, so I, I made a point, like, you know, um, we did a golf tournament when K- after Caitlin died. We All the money went to the V Foundation, and JD and Parker were there. And then he Parker had to leave early for a game, and I went to I left early too and went to the game, and I went to a couple games that year, and then I went to a couple of J, Parker's games last year just to be with JD, knowing what was going on with him, you know. And JD was a very private person; like he didn't want anyone to be. He he always said Parker's not losing both parents to cancer; it's just not happening. And he didn't want Parker to know what was going on; like he did not want Parker to know. So he kept basically like inside the bubble of like you know 10 to 15 people at the station who knew and then obviously his bears community all knew but like he asked everyone you know please nothing like nothing on social media nothing i I don't want any and i think that guys is part of the reason when it came out towards the end there that he was you know in hospice and everyone was in shock and then i think you know like obviously the story was just so awful that um the gofundme that's why i think part of the reason you know outside the fact that he's just such a great guy but you know adam schefter um i still haven't asked him i text him you know thanking him but I, I like he he did something with the nfl because every nfl team donated like minimum i saw was like ten thousand dollars i saw that you know That's some amazing. teams got up to twenty five thousand. so um yeah i mean he he was just he was the best of all of us like that that's the best way i can put it like yeah. I, I i told this to his parents because i've had you know a couple conversations with them since JD passed and actually I, I saw them we were leaving Jesse Rogers and I were leaving uh, we went to visit him in hospice and his parents were outside waiting for Parker to show up and I we were talking and 
I said to her, you know, his mom, I said, you should know that I've been in this industry for over 25 years. And I said, I, I defy you to find, and it's the only person I can think of. I defy you to find someone to say something not nice about your son. I said, everyone loved him. And it's not just like he, he was great to everyone. You know, like um, he helped everyone out, whether he agreed with something you were doing or not. Like if he, it was, he helped, I mean, Courtney Cronin, who is like this young reporter just started on the network. You know, she wasn't very good at the start off with, but J, JD worked with her. He was co-hosted with her and worked with her and, and made her great. So, I mean, he, that's just who he was. So, um, it's just awful. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's hard not to think every day, especially right now with everything going on with the Bears about like his take. Yeah, and, yeah what would he be saying know? right so, now? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and then, you know, if, um, none of us here in Chicago like Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, it just, it just, you can't like Aaron Rodgers. But, right. Um, what he did for Parker. Um, oh, don't make me like him. Yeah, yeah, no, right. no, please. It's, I've seen what he did for Parker. I'm, 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 the family doesn't want it out there, so I'm not going to say what he did for Parker, but I, I'm just going to tell you guys that I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan now, okay? Like, wow. That, yeah. So he, he's, he, he's a, what he did was, uh, it was great. So I, I'm, I'm definitely an Aaron Rodgers fan now. Yeah, well, I'm wow. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't care. Anyway. I don't, okay, that's all great for yeah. this, but I still <laughs> do not yeah. like that. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to free kicks with adam and rick and that's on the radio misfits podcast network free kicks a tony lasano podcast opi show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com we're back. This has been great of you to take some yeah, time I out really and talk it. to yeah. us. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the book. And if you're a if you're a fan of sports, uh, I'm going to just read some of the names here from baseball that uh, are covered in this book: George Steinbrenner, Paul Molitor, Hank Aaron, Tony Gwynn, Pete Rose, Jose Canseco, Goose Gossage. Those are just the first yeah. five or six chapters. Right. It, it goes on and on from there. Basketball, college basketball. NFL football, college football, celebrities. It's all here in the book. The book is called Behind the Glass, stories from a sports radio producer um, from Steinbrenner to Barkley to Jack Lemon, and it's written by Randy Merkin. And where can people find the book? Uh, very easy. Behindtheglassthebook.com. Mm -hmm. Behindtheglassthebook.com. Thanks, Randy. You're the best. Hey, Randy. Really appreciate it. And Yeah, uh, and it any, anytime, guys. Enjoy doing it. Okay, what about next Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. No, anytime. Don't Mac and roll us. Yeah, right. Don't <laughs> Mac and roll us. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll talk to you soon. See you later, buddy. All right, take care, guys. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think you can tell he's a very nice man. No, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. He, he's yeah. a great guy. He's been wonderful to work with. And, again, the book, EckhartsPress.com. Go there, and uh, you'll right. love it. Yes. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again soon with another brand new interview. 
on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Let's, Let's do, do it, it again. What? That wasn't good. No, we messed it all up. What's wrong? What? How? It was going good, and then it went south. No, it didn't. Well, if that went south, get see what happens now. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. I need an agent.